This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Finding Your Bliss, a show that helps you find your happiness and your bliss. And today we have a great hour dedicated really to the creative spirit. Joining us today is intuitive business mentor and chief energy optimizer, Jennifer Lyle, who helps ambitious entrepreneurs get centered and focused. And you'll hear all about her wonderful book. Also on the program, singer and well-being expert Amy Pitt is here to talk about her recently published thesis, Spiraling Back to the Spark, A Spiritual Journey Towards Authentic Creativity, and also share her knowledge and wisdom related to spirituality, mindfulness, and creativity. But first, let me tell you more about my first guest. Jennifer helps ambitious female entrepreneurs who are losing control with too many ideas and too much to juggle to get centered and focused. She calls herself an intuitive business mentor and a chief energy optimizer. She helps people learn to master their energy and intuition so they can enhance their impact and income while doing what makes their hearts sing. We love that on this show. She has helped million-dollar entrepreneurs make some of the most important decisions of their lives using the best decision-making tool available, their gut instincts. Jennifer helps ambitious women get clear, focused, and productive. Her genius is tuning into the energy of ideas and situations to help you prioritize in your business and create a plan for moving forward. As a longtime energy worker and intuitive, not only does she read energy, and I can't wait to hear about that, but she teaches you how to master yours, giving you more confidence and stronger boundaries. You start to live your life as the true you. But one of the most exciting things for me in reading Jennifer's amazing book was actually just reading this book called A Beginner's Guide to the Soul, Discover Your Inner Wisdom. Jennifer, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. We're so happy to have you here. And and before we begin, because I really want to dive deep into the book because it's absolutely wonderful. My, my first question is, what does a long-time energy worker and intuitive do? And how would you describe your work as an intuitive business mentor and a chief energy optimizer? I've been working with energy since I was four years old. I just didn't realize it at the time. My brother had a water skiing accident and he would, was lying down on the floor and so I would rub his back. Uh, he's 18 years older than me. I'm the baby of seven. And in that, I became the family massage therapist. I actually considered becoming massage therapist for my career and, and decided that, no, that wasn't what I really wanted to do. And I went down the typical path of, you know, you're supposed to go to university, you're supposed to work in corporate. And then I had kids. And after having kids, didn't really, I didn't really want to do that commute into Toronto anymore. And through my part-time jobs of wanting to balance family and home, I, I started my own business. So what led you, you knew this all of your life from the time you were four years old, what actually made you delve into this work and and create this work as a business mentor and a chief energy optimizer? To be honest, I was really unhappy. 
my business sucked <laughs> really bad. And, you know, I had a degree in business and things should have been much easier and it wasn't going the way I thought it was going to go. And so I came to this place of feeling tired, tired of beating myself up for not being successful. And to be honest, at that point, I was really only working at my business part-time while my kids were in school. So I was expecting full-time results <laughs> while I was working mm. at it part-time. Yeah. <laughs> but it came to a day, it was March, it was 2010. It was pitch black outside. And I sat on the couch in my living room. The house was so, so quiet. And I just gave myself permission to figure out what made my heart sing. And what was that? Well, I didn't know. <laughs> so then I had all these crazy synchronistic events and I attended a, a networking group and we were encouraged to support each other and to do meetings with each other and, and exchange services. And this lady stood up and she said, well, I'll do a soul reading for anybody who'd like to help me. And at that time, my business was focused around video podcasting. So podcasting before it was cool. Mm. And I said, oh, 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 that, that soul reading, that will help me figure out what would make my heart sing. Mm. And so I went for that reading and I was trembling. Um, that was so emotional. And it was absolutely incredible. I didn't know why I had such a tremble in my voice. Mm. And so what she did was something called an Akashic record reading. And for those who aren't familiar with it, they say that every single soul has a book up in heaven's library. And in this book, it has information about why you keep doing things that you do and why there are patterns that keep coming up and, and what's your purpose, what, what you're here to do, some clues to your path. And so she opened my book and she says, wow, I see your business changing from focusing just on wellness to incorporating spirituality. And I said, well, do you see me working with like Wayne Dyer or Deepak Chopra? <laughs> <laughs> she says, no, but I do see you doing work with your hands. And I do see you coming from a long lineage of healers. And my uncle's an energy healer. And he had hmm. told me that there was one in every generation and that maybe I might be the one for my generation and my family. So Jennifer, can I ask you a question? What is your purpose and your calling? I'm here to help individuals with connecting with their soul, believing in their magic, believing in their purpose. And that's your purpose to achieve that. That's, that's incredible. And I, and I take it, this was the seed and this was the beginnings of your wonderful book that you wrote called the beginner's guide to the soul. Jennifer, you said that it took you seven years to publish this book. So I just got the inspiration, uh, probably over the course of about a year, I'd have different moments where I just felt like, all right, here's going to be another chapter. And I just would write or type or, or speak it and record it and documented it all. And then I think it was about the end of 2013, I worked with a book editor to help me with bringing it together in more of a cohesive journey for the reader. Mm -hmm. Then it was always a story of what will people think? Is it any good? Is it too simple? Is it too basic? Is it, is it really going to make a difference? That's called the inner critic. And that's called, <laughs> you need to tame your gremlin. I'm a life coach. I don't know if you know yes. that. So, so that's, that's, <laughs> that's all, you know, the yeah, but right. It's really good. Yeah. But it's not this and it's not that instead of just going for it and trusting. What made you start trusting it? Uh, so the culmination of what made me just finally 
do it because I, I would do a little step toward getting it published, you know, coming up with what my cover would look like, uh, getting people to proofread it, getting people to provide feedback and do, I would do a step four. It's like, yes, yes, this is the year I'm going to do it. And then a little step and then it got put on the back burner. I had created uh, a program within my business called Ready to be Seen. And it's to help people with just stepping into their truth more and putting themselves out there in the world. And so it's like, okay, I need to step up and I need to just finally publish it. And so that's what I did. I finally published it. What has been the reaction so far? Oh, positive. Like I've been so humbled and uh, floored. I, you know, I, with it being a beginner's guide to the soul, I think it's for people who are just starting on their journey. And yet I've had people who have been on their journey for decades and they're like, wow, some of these questions made me kind of go back to my roots and go back to the basics. And they really appreciated the the reflection in getting some. It's so user-friendly. And I love the fact that there's um, pages and pages of notes that you can, you like blank pages that you can write your notes at the end of every chapter, which really is so great because it sort of becomes your own book. And And I love also that you say in the book that throughout time, we have asked ourselves the question, who am I? But you suggest asking the question, who am I not? Can you explain? That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, And that's all about the question of all of these labels that we've been given throughout our lives and whether or not we really want to live our lives as those labels and just getting clear on who you don't want to be, where you don't want to go and and allowing yourself to not have to stay pigeonholed into those labels, allowing yourself the freedom to create who you want to be. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's just sounds so freeing. That makes me take a deep breath and, and breathe out when I hear that. What is mirroring? Mirroring is when somebody reflects back to you what it is that you are saying. I use this, my dear soul sisters that I've been masterminding with since 2012. This is a process for when we are stepping into something bigger and claiming who we want to be, we will mirror each other. And so we reflect back what we're hearing. And what it does is it helps to create those new neuropathways within your mind to help you with welcoming and claiming that truth mm. more easily. Mm. I'm in a mastermind group too. I, I knew there was synchronicity here because you are in a group, right? You're in a, in a group of women that meet and help each other. Uh, I'm in a different type of mastermind right now. That's both men and women, but yes. Wow. They're so powerful, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You also talk a lot about journaling. What do you love about it? And how does it contribute to a beginner's guide to the soul? How does it help you connect to your soul? For me, the journaling process, there's sort of two sides to it. One is allowing the my soul to have the opportunity to share what's going on within me. I get a lot of ahas as to giving words to some of the feelings that I might be experiencing, but not present to. And the other big portion of it is around just getting still and listening to the words from the universe. And, you know, I, 
I, I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder. I was like, I don't want to listen to or read the book, uh, conversations with God. I've had my own conversations with God, (laughs) 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 but it's the same concept of, you know, when you sit and you just get still and you can, you can talk, you can get the answers that you're looking for, for anything. It's so freeing and it really, it takes a weight off of your shoulders. So true. You talk about miracles. I love that. And because we need to hear that right now, right? You talk about miracles and you talk about angels and about God or the creator, whoever that may be for you. And you ask people in the book to describe what their divine connection is and how it shows up in their life. Can you explain? So I believe that we all have access to the wisdom from a higher power and everyone has their own label for that. And I I didn't grow up in a very religious household. My family was Catholic. There were seven of us. So my mom was a good Catholic, but had some bad experiences with the church. And so by the time I came around as the baby, uh, we didn't go to church anymore. I didn't really believe in God, so to speak, but I always felt that there was a higher power that was there for us and would help us. And when I took that moment of surrender, that was when I felt like I finally was connecting in with that higher power and could understand that I wasn't alone in all Mm. of this. uh, That must have been a wonderful feeling. Yes, it was. It was. Yes. (laughs) Such a relief, right? Such a relief when we know that. And you also talk about something that I love, and it is the word love, that you say that love is everything. And you mentioned conversations with God. That's a huge part of that book. And that love will conquer anything. But sometimes we forget a very fundamental thing. We all do this about how to love ourselves. How do we remember? And moreover, how can we be love? Like actually be it. So remembering how to to connect in with that love is for me around checking your inner battery. This is something I'm very passionate about with teaching people how to be mindful of their energy, understanding how they're feeling physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, and doing a check-in throughout your day. And that helps with being love. Because when we are caught up in the worry and drama and trauma of the outside world, we're disconnecting from that inner connection. And while it's valuable to still be aware of it, we can't get caught up in that fear. There's so, so much fear out there. And that's just such a a far stand from who we are. Yes. Well, isn't that what they say in conversations with God is, is that love conquers fear, right? If you want to combat fear, just put love in your heart. That's a great place to start. You also talk in the book about how to find your happy place. What are some of those tips or techniques that we can instantly get closer to our happy place, if you will? For me, the very essence of it is getting out into nature coming back to nature is one of the biggest and fastest and easiest ways that you can get to that happy place. Just stopping 
and listening and being present, feeling the sun shining on your face, feeling the breeze on your skin, hearing the birds, hearing the squirrels chase each other. It gets you back to the basics. When the weather is cold and we're not able to get outside, connecting in with the, with nature inside through our plants, through flowers, that's a really quick and easy way. Uh, visualization is another powerful way too. I have my happy place. I remember it so vividly. I feel it so exponentially in my heart. We went to Ireland on our honeymoon and there's this particular place, Slayhead. Yes, if I if I talk about Ireland, I can get into that Irish Irish oh, little I love, Ireland. <laughs> I love it there. I love it there. So I'm really I'm really feeling this. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a town uh, on the Dingle Peninsula on the west coast of Ireland and it's called Slayhead and I just remember standing at the top of this cliff and feeling the ocean waves coming up from the shore. It was, there's just something about, it was home. It's that happy place is where you feel like home yeah. in your heart. Yeah. You, it's so funny because you can't see me, but I just cried. And you <laughs> made me cry. And I think you're feeling very emotional too. And I think that's part of it, isn't it, um, Jennifer, that when it's really right, it, it could bring you to tears, right? Because it just feels like your home and feeling home is, is a good, is a good place to to be. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Wow. Um, do you have a meditation practice, Jennifer, and how would you describe it? I do. I actually find that in most recent weeks that I am doing some energy clearing to start. And that can take a few different forms, whether I'm using my pendulum and very focused on some specific ways of things that I'm releasing or uh, I do have a few favorite uh, videos that I'll go to that are on YouTube that do uh, use some Tibetan bowls to help with clearing and releasing. And then I will do my meditation afterwards. I find that that really helps me get out of my head mm -hmm. so I can drop down into my heart more easily. So I might be doing about 10 or 15 minutes of energy clearing first, and then I'll go within and do a 10 or 15 minute meditation. That's so lovely. I know you talk and we could we probably spent a whole hour on this, but about the wonderful teaching in Tao or Chinese philosophy with regards to making time to honor yourself. What are some of the ways just briefly that we can do that? Oh, gosh. Well, we talked about journaling. We've talked about checking your inner battery. Number one is the uh. most fabulous way how you can honor yourself, understanding what's going on inside of you and then taking the time to listen to that quiet whisper of how am I? Like, how often do we ask that question? How am I? Because we ask constantly, oh, how you doing? And it's like, well, I'm fine. It's just an automatic response. But when you actually stop and listen, it's like, how am I feeling and asking what our body needs? And it could be going outside. It could be taking us a, a stretch break, having a cup of tea, doing some deep breathing, Taking, you have to carve out that time in order to really refuel and recharge your inner battery. I, when I started my business, I was in such a, a tizzy of always having to work harder, work harder. That was something very, very drilled into me growing up. And I remember working with a coach at the time and saying, I just want to give myself permission to have two minutes to breathe. And she says, well, give yourself two minutes to breathe. And I couldn't do it. I didn't value myself enough. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. You use affirmations and and you say how healing affirmations can be. And I'm wondering if you could just provide one or two examples of a really wonderful affirmation that the listeners can hang on to right now and use. I am joyful. Mm -hmm. So simple. I am joyful. And it's something to declare of how you want to be. The words that we use after I am, it's like we're declaring to ourselves, this is who I want to be. Lovely. This is so incredible, all of this stuff. I I, I was just thinking of the affirmation right now that I am grateful for this conversation and, uh, and grateful that you are on this show. How does offering a blessing bring you happiness? Mm. When we offer a blessing to somebody else, it's a beautiful gift that we give. And with the law of reciprocity, what we put out there, it comes back to us. So by giving blessings to others, you know, especially during these times where people are feeling really strapped for cash, because we often think of giving a gift as being something we have to physically give, we can offer a blessing to somebody else as a way to put some good energy out into the universe to come back to us. Beautiful. And that leads into my next question, which is how do we light the way for others who are struggling? to step into their true selves and into their happiness and their happy place. It really is about us being happiest in ourselves. That's the only way we can truly do it. No matter how much we try to tell other people, you need to do this, you need to do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. When you are happy, when you are in alignment, when you are free, and when you create that space for others to be free and they, they witness you and when they're with you, they feel it. When they talk to you, they feel it. That is, it's like, I, I want to be like that too. How, how can I get that in my life? How can I welcome that in? And, and it invites them to be curious and to see themselves as being worthy of having that same level of happiness and freedom in their life too. It's so funny, Jennifer. I often make people cry on the show. People always say, why did you make me cry? I cried. And I never cry. And I'm sitting here and I'm kind of weeping as we're talking. If we were at Zoomer and we weren't doing it remotely right now because of the, the pandemic, you would see it. But uh, it's very yeah. funny because this is the first time I think that's happened because I'm usually the one other people t- tell me that I bring them to tears, but you're doing that for me. I love when you talk about remembering who you are. That really struck a chord when I read that. Can you elaborate on that, please? Well, for me, when I was in that moment on the the couch and really um, present to who I wasn't, really present to beating myself up so much, I knew who I wasn't. And to just give myself permission to discover who I was, it was like opening the door of a prison cell. Yeah takes a lot of bravery and courage to do that. It sure does. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard stuff. Like I, I admire you because sometimes we're too afraid to, um, to really listen to who we are, who we are not. It, it just takes a tremendous amount of courage to, to do it. And so I, I, I applaud you. There's a lot of deprogramming around that too, right? It took me so much time to be courageous enough to believe it's like, really, is, is what I do like any special? Does it really work? And having other people say, oh yeah, I see this happening and that happening. And it's like, okay, 
great, I'm glad it's working, right? Because then there's <laughs> that imposter syndrome and am I a fraud? Like there's all those questions that come up. But when you see the repeated results and the people noticing the shifts and feeling moved in their heart, you know that there's something there. There's something there. You just did it. You just did it on Zoomer radio <laughs> with me right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Using your signature program, you help connect the wisdom of your three minds, the logical mind, the emotional, and the intuitive, so that you never doubt your inner guidance again. I love that. Can you explain? In the Western world, we tend to dwell mostly in our logical mind, and we're, we're really missing out when we're only focused on, well, what makes sense? And we do things more from using our head, and, and we don't drop into our heart and into our gut. When we can actually tap into all three aspects of our, of our minds, we actually pull together a much more detailed uh, tuning in of what can be possible in the world because we are awakening our senses. You're bringing all of these different wisdoms together in one to help you with navigating your life and your purpose hmm. more magically. It's beautiful. What is bliss for Jennifer Lyle? Oh my gosh. Bliss is delicious conversations like this. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. I, I, I totally get that. Uh, this is, this has been truly wonderful. And I kind of knew it when I read the book, I, I kind of knew, wow, this is, this is very, very special stuff. And I want to wish you very good luck with this book. And I want to ask you, how can people get a copy of your book, a beginner's guide to the soul, discover your inner wisdom. It is available on Amazon. So you can take a look on amazon.ca.com and just search up the beginner's guide to the soul. That's fantastic. And Jennifer, how can people get in touch with you on social media? You can visit my website, jlyall.com. And there's a links to my Instagram page and my Facebook page there. That's awesome. I want to really thank you, Jennifer, for being on the show today. Like actually, this has been um, truly impactful and meaningful. And it really just landed in a very deep place. So I want to thank you. Thank you too. I felt it too. My heart to yours. The same. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More of Finding Your Bliss when we come back. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And we're joined now by singer Amy Pitt. Amy Pitt is a singer, songwriter, and artist who as a child found solace in music, writing, and performing on stage. Singing washed away the emotional wounds from the bullies on the bus, as she puts it. 
But by the time she'd lost over 100 pounds in her early 20s, she thought it would bring instant love and belonging, but the weight of anxiety and perfectionism was much heavier to carry around. The practice of mindfulness began to change things. After graduating from Humber College's prestigious music program and releasing her debut album, The Melody, in 2009, Amy made the conscious choice to pull off the singer-songwriter badge and essentially leave the music industry. She calls this one of the most creative decisions of her life. Since then, she became a teacher, writer, scholar, wife, and mother, and realized that to show up authentically, it was necessary for her to contribute in a more meaningful way. She shines a light down her own path of healing in her recently published work, Spiraling Back to the Spark, A Spiritual Journey Towards Authentic Creativity. Amy was supposed to perform in a one-woman show for the Hamilton and Toronto Fringe Festivals this past summer, but instead, due to COVID-19, she found herself at home playing the piano and the acoustic guitar for hours on end writing music. Now, after more than 10 years, she's planning to record a second album. She shared one of her new songs, Be Still, as part of the Toronto Fringe Collective. The song speaks to the creative power of leaning into the mystery during times of fear and uncertainty. A live from home version is available anywhere that you stream or buy music online. Hi, Amy, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Hi, Judy. So nice to meet you virtually. I know. Same. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm loving your song and so excited to share it with our listeners later on in the hour. When we were doing research and preparing for this interview, the first thing that really struck me, Amy, was that you lost 100 pounds. Congratulations, by the way, that's incredible. And you had a real metamorphosis, as it were. But even then, the weight of anxiety and perfectionism still remained. What helped you become healthy again? And how has mindfulness contributed to all of this? Right. Well, I think in hindsight, um, things are always clearer, aren't they, uh, with a bit of distance. But I look back on that sort of time, which was in my early 20s. Um, I turned 40 this year. In my early 20s uh, is when I lost that weight. And it really was almost just the beginning, right? Sort of sort of shedding that uh, was the, the, the first moment of really acknowledging um, what it Maybe the reason why I uh, had been using food as a way to numb my deep feelings in the first place, right? Um, so mindfulness really offered me an opportunity uh, thereafter. I went to Humber after that, and um, I was really sort of like influenced by the society we live in. I mean, I, I look back with compassion now, but I spent years sort of beating myself up. Like, how could you be so shallow and into your looks and all this stuff? Well, it's like, of course, I look at it now and it's like, I'm a woman living in North America. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, um, no wonder it got all muddled. The brand of me was started to take over as like more important than the soul work of of singing of of the thing that brought me life when when I was so connected to that as a child. Yeah. I want to ask you what led to the transformation whereby you were able to write music again. This came about when I started reading Eckhart Tolle's work, especially um, his book, A New Earth. Um, I had gone through a big breakup. I had just left school. I was deciding between going to Africa or going to back to school to become a teacher. And I would take long walks on the lake, just totally broken open. And I was sort of waiting to see where it would all land and not naming as a practice that was helpful. Mm -hmm. 
So Eckhart Tolle would speak a lot about just go outside and observe stuff without naming it, like literally without naming it. And I think something about that, that was just like so transformative and something in me knew like, oh, I'm like overly entrenched in this badge, this ID of I am a singer songwriter and that is who I am. Mm -hmm. And when I took that off, it was like the floodgates opened. And suddenly one of the things was I actually started writing music and it was just like, the most beautiful music that I had written so far because suddenly I wasn't doing it as my like job anymore. Right. Right. It wasn't your brand. You weren't sort of being a brand. It was just pouring out of your soul from a very natural place. You know, uh, so you took a step back, Amy, from the music industry to regroup and recalibrate. And as you say, you started writing more than ever. And you then, since then, you acquired many more labels and titles like teacher, writer, scholar, wife, mother. But you say that you know at your core that in order to show up authentically from a deeper place, it's imperative if you're, if you're to contribute in meaningful ways that you have to be vulnerable. You have to be uh, authentic. Um, you, you have to go back to the core and to the source. Was Julia Cameron and the artist way a big part of this? Yes. <laughs> a resounding yes. Um, I love Julia Cameron. I listened to the episode that you uh, did with her. It was amazing for sure. And journal, I still do my morning pages every morning. That is it the most imperative spiritual practice that I've developed over the years. Um, And her work is just so transformative for so many people. And, you know, I would say all artists and we're all artists of our own lives. And um, I just, you know, I can't recommend that, that text enough. What do you think in it? Because you say it was a lot of concrete and emotional work, but the lessons in that book were transformative to me. How so? Yeah. So, well, firstly, there's, um, so she, there's two primary things that you do in the artist way. And one is, uh, artist dates and the other one is the morning pages. And so, um, they feed into each other, like a feedback loop is the way that I look at it. If I'm journaling these three freehand pages, just sort of stream of consciousness writing every morning before I do anything else, it allows me to sort of listen on a slower and deeper level, right? And so, um, and it's it's surprising the things that come up and sometimes music will come up and dreams and all this kind of stuff. Um, So they can almost be a prompt, like a deep dive so that we can use that information. And then the artist date can be like a, I'm listening and I'm going to take action um, to, to listen to my soul, to not, to be still with that, with that voice deep inside and honor it and say, okay, I'm going to take little actions every week. So the artist date is a, at least an hour once a week by yourself doing something that feeds your soul, your creative spirit. So those are the primary tools that I found most transformative, but also just, you know, each chapter of the artist way offers you a different opportunity to, to release the shackles that come with all the, you know, all the ideas we have about creativity. Like we, we first of all associate creativity with just the arts, which is ridiculous. Um, and then, and then like all the, all the stuff, like Brene Brown's work is, has also been um, really big for me as well as in my own re- research around this, this stuff. Um, but just that, that creativity goes, goes way beyond that. And if we look at, 
you know, postmodern physics, we can now acknowledge that the whole universe has been created from the start. And this can take us away from the idea that engaging with our creativity is somehow a waste of productive time or a luxury and into the mindset that acknowledges that we have a responsibility to contribute along with all that is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting what you're saying. It's funny because I do the morning pages, but I don't always do the artist aid. And you're reminding me how important it is because that's kind of putting it into action, right? You can write and write stream of consciousness writing and all this creativity can pour out on the page. But if you don't actually have the artist date, you're not yeah. taking any action around it. So it's, it's such a great reminder for people. Yeah, you, you shine a light down your own path of healing in your recently published work, Spiraling Back to the Spark a spiritual journey towards authentic creativity. Can you tell us about this thesis that you wrote and how it's helped you as an artist and how it can help others? Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty transformative process. Um, I had just come off mat leave, uh, and just had my daughter and um, was, was trying to look at the next step. And, you know, I was actually writing a memoir, And I found the work of Jack Miller, who's at uh, the Ontario Institute for Studies and Education at at, uh, U of T. Uh, And he's a leader in the field of holistic education. So I was teaching as an elementary music teacher before that in Toronto. And, um, And his work just like captured me in a way that nothing has had inspired me, um, in that way, uh, for a while. And, Anyway, that's sort of what interested me in the program was specifically working with him. And then and I got to write this thesis um, that really talked about how spiritual practices help us to connect with our deepest self, what, what I would call the soul or this ineffable, unnameable and infinite um, thing that some people call a connection to God um, and how that for me in particular, um, well, the process offered me a way to make my way back, as it were, unbeknownst to me at the time, to music, ultimately, um, wow. in, in a really deep way. And I had no idea that that was going to be the path, really. I mean, I had never stopped singing, but it was like, it just kept, and this is why I used the symbol of the spiral, because it just felt like that. It felt like this inward journey back to where it all started for me. Wow. Can you paint us a picture of how people can connect with their soul through spiritual practices? Yeah. So when I talk about spiritual practices, I'm really just talking about anything that that leans into the true self that connects us with the ultimate truth within us, which I, I call my soul. So these practices for me can involve things like journaling, yoga is a really big one, especially when we talk about like a healthy relationship with the body. So yoga, journaling, meditation, eating mindfully, mindfulness practice, walking in nature has actually been a huge part of the creative process for me as well. And I think that was really cool when I heard Julia Cameron on your show, like acknowledge that. I was like, yes, that's what I think. <laughs> yeah, she's um, so great. <laughs> yeah. So the way I look at it is that we can either lean in and see our, and, and create a life that we want from an intentional place, or we can numb out and move further away. And, and it's interesting because it's not like there's certain things that, that are only numb out activities and certain things that are only spiritual activities, because 
intentionally watching a documentary on TV, on Netflix or whatever, can be a spiritual practice for, you know, it's about the intention. So that's where I've come to in terms of spiritual practices. It's not the activity. It's the intention mm-hmm. behind the activity. Sure. Now, that's lovely that you said that because it's so true what you said about a lot of us. And I think even during COVID are doing a lot of numbing out activities because we're exhausted and there's just more on our plates. Right. And 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 it's so important, I think, more than ever now to connect with your uh, spirituality and with your soul and to do things exactly like you're saying, the pathways to get there are things like meditation, yoga, uh, mindfulness, and prayer, and all of that to get back to the source, not to numb yourself out, but to actually uh, have that spark, make it come alive more than ever, because it will feed your soul to to do those things. It will, it will feed your creativity. And uh, the way you just put that, I don't know if I put that as eloquently as you did, but you really said it in a in a wonderful way. And I thank you for that. And I love when you talk about intention. Um, I love the power of intention by the beloved late Dr. Wayne Dyer. Can you speak about how intention helps us spiral back to the spark of our authentic creativity? Yeah, so it's a mindset, right? So A Course in Miracles was actually another text and the work of Mary Ellen was was a big one for me. I started, I remember my mom. So my mom was like, you know, when we were kids, she was sort of considered uh, a bit fringe on these things. And now it's the mainstream, but she was making kombucha in the fridge and listening to Mary Ellen (laughs) with intention. It just, that's what comes up for me. It reminds me one of the, the quickest ways for me that I often forget about but works every time is asking for a miracle. So, uh, and, and defining a miracle as a shift in perception from fear to love. And that's it. And so that change, that shift in perception um, from a fearful mindset to a mindset that acknowledges that love is all that is, it's everything. You're reminding me, Amy, of Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh and and really and how he breaks it down into exactly those two camps, fear and love. And and love is more powerful than anything. And once you just sort of put that love in your heart, it will conquer fear and anxiety and all of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know if you're familiar with that book, but beautiful book called Conversations with God. I do have it. And now I've got to read it because I've got to, yeah, I've got to read it. It's a good one. You would love it. It's, it really, I think, would resonate with you. I'd love to hear your thoughts on voice and the power of finding your voice, which I think is interesting for you as a singer, but also for our listeners who are singers and music teachers and songwriters. And you talk about that in your thesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finding your own voice uh, or yeah, digging to find your own voice is such an important theme, like as a metaphor, as well as just from a musical perspective. I can speak to my experience with voice and finding my own or finding my way back to my own. I think literally when, um, when you're good at being like a chameleon, in life, which I think I, I I have done. And this speaks to this idea of the brand of me, like, oh, I want to be like Joni Mitchell or Sarah McLaughlin or like <laughs> so many influences. So I won't start naming people. But, um, <laughs> Those are two great ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great Canadian women. But I think too often, and this is, and it's part of the journey, right? And again, we can sort of think of this as a metaphor and um, a micro perspective of like music and voice in particular. but we do have to sort of 
emulate for a little while when we're learning music. So whether it be as an instrumentalist or a vocalist, it's like that expression, right? You are the five people you hang out with the most. You do start to take on the qualities of other people's, uh, the resonance of their voices and whatnot. Um, and I, but I, I do think that that's a necessary part of the path um, that I've come to accept. And then mm-hmm. the more you sing, the more it develops. But then also there's this moment where you have to, I found, I can only speak to myself for myself, the need to step away. And also when you, when you write your own music, I mean, that's where uh, it can really come because you're not listening and singing, especially if you're good at mimicking other people. Like I would sit and listen to Mariah and be like, mm-hmm, you know, doing all the runs and everything. <laughs> <laughs> when you're writing your own music, it's like you don't have a choice but to sing your own voice. So um, I love working with with um, young women and, and young children even uh, in writing their own music because that's really your own voice. Like regardless of of uh, the way it sounds, like that's your, your soul's voice, right? It's coming through. Beautiful, beautiful. Leaving the music industry was a pivot that actually brought you back to your music after so many years, which culminated in your newly reimagined music career, which is blossoming again. And, and I'm so happy for you about all of that. And you had to pivot once again when you were invited to the Fringe Festival and had to reimagine it when COVID-19 changed it from a live event to a virtual one by writing a lot of music. And and I think you have an upcoming album that you were able to actually share your new song, which we're going to be hearing, Be Still, as part of that Toronto Fringe Collective. What was that like, first of all, doing the Fringe Festival this year virtually? And what was the reaction to your song, Be Still? Um, yeah, so that was unexpected. <laughs> um, but again, in, in hindsight, it all falls in place the way it's supposed to. And it very much feels like that for me. Um, as in everything worthwhile, uh, I think there's no black or white. Every experience is very nuanced. And, and um, that would be the way I look at um, this, the, the whole COVID experience thus far uh, in terms of my own personal experience and from more global perspective. But for me personally with The Fringe, it was like, I thought I was going in one direction with a show when I first applied. And then over the course of the year, it started to shift. And then by the time the show was actually supposed to happen, I had already kind of started writing all this music and I was like, okay, I can add one more song to this show. I can add one more song to this show. And then suddenly it was like, we're not doing it. And I was like, Oh yeah. And then they were like, but we are doing this. (laughs) And it kind of, it kind of made sense to say like, it is been a long time since I put music out. So I'm not saying it wasn't nerve wracking and it wasn't, it didn't take courage because I think anything worthwhile does take a lot of courage. But putting that out there, it was it was a scary like leap, hmm. and the response has just been like overwhelmingly. Um, I'm like tearing up. Actually, it's just uh. it's amazing when you when you put a piece of yourself out there that that comes from that deep place of healing. How much it can it can help others, and that is my intention now. Um, it's such a different perspective. It's that shift, right? Mm-hmm. And I even say that in the song, a shift from you need to shift from fear to love because that has been the journey back. And now I can come and I can offer uh, my voice, my music as as a healing for both myself and for the listeners. And that's that's what I've experienced in response to this song. So it's been really uh, lovely. That's so great. I'm so excited for everyone to hear it now. Let's have a listen to Be Still. Is there a way? to me. 
beautiful Amy that's just such a hauntingly beautiful song and and also very melancholic thank you yeah it's gorgeous it's just gorgeous and the rest of the album is coming out soon when when can we look forward to seeing the rest of the album um well I'm just uh I've just had some conversations and chosen a producer a a really great local producer here in Hamilton where I now live um so we're really excited to get started soon you know, it'll all depend on how COVID situation goes, but we're looking forward to, I'll, I'll definitely uh, have it ready by the time the next Fringe Festival happens. <laughs> That's great. Will you let us know? Cause I'd love you to come back with the album and, and play this one again. Cause it's so gorgeous. It really is. So um, it's just such an impactful, beautiful song, but we'd love to hear some of the other, the other music as well. So I hope you'll come back to, uh, to the program when it's out. Will you let us know? I would love that. I would absolutely love it. Thank you so much. That's awesome. You mentioned young singers and people who are just sort of finding their voice. What advice do you have for aspiring singers and musicians who want to find their bliss through music? Um, I would say don't worry about what anybody else thinks because the truth is so beyond those ideas of who's better or worse or whatever. Um, Sing from your soul. Sing what feels right for you because life is too short and we are, we spend way too much time um, looking at things from the outside and instead of letting our, our truest light shine. So just sing, sing. So beautiful. I, I also love that you're now enjoying empowering others to live creatively from a holistic perspective through workshops that you give most recently at Columbia University as part of the Conference on Spirituality and Education. Can you tell us more about these workshops and how people can sign up for them? Can we do these virtually? Yeah. So the workshop I did in Columbia, for example, was specifically for teachers. So I definitely, I love working with teachers in particular. Well, ultimately the perspective there is you know, Brene Brown says when unused creativity is not benign, but it metastasizes and it turns in rage and grief and blame and resentment and all that. And sort of my perspective on this is I'd love to help teachers, not just for them, but if, if children are our future, that sounded very cliche, but it's true. Um, <laughs> and do we want, do we want teachers filled with shame, blame, resentment, fear, like anger? Mm, you know, um, anyone can contact me via um, Instagram, but I love working with teachers and women in particular, but anybody identifying as anything. 
but singer singer songwriters as well like would you work with um my daughter's actually a singer I don't know if you've heard that throughout the show but she's uh she's in third year uh, musical theater at Sheridan and I would love her to take a class with you because I I think uh, yeah yeah, it'd be really cool because I just think your ideas are so I, I just love your the whole Julia Cameron stuff and, and Brene Brown. And, and when, when you said um, Course of Miracles, I was like, okay, this lady really gets it. <laughs> Not only is she a beautiful singer songwriter, but she really gets it, which is so great. That's incredible. I love that. What is bliss for Amy Pitt? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, I think it really depends on the day, but ultimately it's moments of bliss they can surprise you. They can come out of nowhere uh, and they can be in this, in the smallest little moment of noticing um, the breeze sort of going through my daughter's hair or canoeing along the lake up at my mom's cottage or definitely nowadays um, I'm finding a lot of bliss and flow, you know, the flow state when um, I'm writing and playing music. So that's been a real gift. And, you know, I, I can't talk about bliss without talking about my, my partner, my life partner, my best friend, um, Justin, my husband, that's when we can spend time either with our daughter as a family or alone. Yeah. I can't imagine bliss, um, without him right now in my life. So that's incredible. I love that. How can people contact you, Amy, on social media and where can people listen to your music? So you can uh, connect with me on Instagram. Uh, it's Amy Pitt here on Instagram. And that's really, um, honestly, I take some breaks from social media purposely, but I do warn uh, followers that I'm doing that because I do find that going with all the themes we've spoken about today, it's just, uh, it can be healthy for me to to remove myself from that. But I do check in regularly to make sure I'm communicating with people who are trying to connect with me there. That's so great. Well, it, it's really been a pleasure and, uh, and, and, and just delightful having you on the program today and listening to your beautiful music, Amy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Judy. It was truly my pleasure. We're going to go on a short commercial break. When we come back, more at Finding Your Bliss. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. Each week, we spotlight a singer, songwriter, or musician on the show. If you're a singer, please write to us at music at findingyourbliss.com. Also, we encourage you to visit us at Finding Your Bliss magazine at www.findingyourbliss.com. And of course, you can follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. 
I want to thank all my guests, Jennifer Lyle and Amy Pitt, for being here today. A big thanks to the crew and everyone here at Zoomer. Thank you, of course, to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. And this episode was recorded on Squadcast. For all of us here at Finding Your Bliss, I'm Judy Liebrack, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.